You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike. For more information, check out circleofhope.net. So we need to feel it. We felt it even just in our mouths right now. It. Jesus. God. Greatness beyond this. Somehow with us here and inviting us into something there are, there are other means of knowing that we might not pay attention to as much as whatever is at the very tippy top of our consciousness. Usually where we spend most of our lives, I don't know, not all of you, but I do. I, I spend, I spend the, the, uh, much of my consciousness right at the tippy top in this like little thin, kind of tight-feeling space of whatever my thoughts are doing. And our thoughts are often just the, the froth of our human experience. You know, just the, just the bubbly top. There's so much more deeper down. And we, we try to live in that little top space uh, where our experience is so unsustaining. It's not sustainable to live off the froth. There's stuff deeper, deeper down that we can get access to. We need to feel what's down below, what's growing out of the darkness, all of it. And the painful comes with the sublime. That's what we learn in Lent. That's what Jesus teaches us on the cross, is that the way through into life meets death on the path. Jesus invites us into being fully human, And Lent is our communal season of practicing that. Lent, essentially, it's human practice. Welcome to human practice. We're going to do it for 40 more days or so. Let's give it a try. Jesus gives us four, maybe five ways or modes of being that are like deeper down in the froth. Different ways that we can experience ourselves in Mark 12, 28 through 31. Someone asked Jesus a question. I don't have control, Nicole. I want to. There we go. Okay. Someone asked Jesus a question. Here. Just that first. Someone asked Jesus this question, which is always happening to Jesus. They say, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And so someone can be Jesus and respond to us here with Jesus' answer. So I've got a heart, there's a heart up there, a soul, a mind, I've got strength, and I'm even placed in community with neighbors to love. So that's four, definitely, and I'm kind of implying the fifth one with the neighbor commandment. We kind of have a communal sense of ourselves, too, who we are in relation to others. Um, But I'm also adding the sixth one, because there are six Sundays in Lent, um, and, and that's the body. Love the Lord your God with your body, too. You know, from a materialist perspective, which is, I think, where a lot of people start, 
the body can't be overlooked. It's, it, 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 you know, you should love. The you is my body in a, in a lot of different ways. Jesus, but regardless of how we, we work out what is selfhood and what all these different things are, I'm not even going to try to do that. They're overlapping. They kind of, some of them mean the same thing or not the same thing. They all work together. They are who we are. I think it's clear to say that Jesus is, is making uh, an observation when he commands us to love this way, that there's not just one way. Jesus is highlighting that there are many a parts of you that need to be engaged in this project of loving the Lord your God. Not only does that just make sense to most of us if we think about it, but I think it's really good news. Human beings are complex creatures. We have layers. We know this, but, but we do not always apply it to our relationship with God. And that's exactly what Jesus is inviting us to do when he's highlighting this commandment from Deuteronomy. If we can love the Lord our God with all of us, all those different ways and modes of being, then God relates it to us on all those different ways too. And that's the good news. Because, because we need to feel it. And, and it's not always easy to do so. If you're just trying the same way all the time and it's not working, there might be another way. Oh, wait. That's the good news. All the different ways I experience my humanity, I want those engaged in this project too. Following Jesus requires all of me. And I don't want some part of me to be excluded from the light and the hope and the life that is promised to me in Jesus. I can't just accept in my head and, and move on, leaving the rest of me behind. Also, I can't just reject in my head and deny all those other experiences that I've had. Those heart experiences, those soul experiences, those bodily experiences, which I think we're tempted to do sometimes. Faith has many doors, and not all of them always feel open, and that's okay. So an essential assumption I'm working with here is that you want to follow Jesus. Lent is, is like following Jesus' practice. We're being humans, and Jesus is the human. Um, but I don't want to exclude you if that's not where you're at yet. If you're not thinking, oh, I follow Jesus, that's okay. Because I think that Jesus is including you even before you include yourself. And I, I hope that I can include you with this careful consideration of the human experience that diverges from common religious scripts. Having made that invitation, I can now say that the basic project, project of Lent, these 40 days before Easter, is this question. How can I really die with Jesus? We're looking toward the cross and following. What does that mean? How can I get ready for his death and get through it with him to the other side? If we read the New Testament, that seems to be the stated goal. Jesus has made a way through death to a new life on the other side of it, and he invites us to participate in that new life now. It's not just then, it's now. Even before our own bodily mortality expires. The project of Lent is to start living and loving with Christ's life on every part of us. 
So this question, how can I really die with Jesus? When I ask that, I'm also asking, how can I really live with him? So I want to highlight with Jesus the way our different ways or modes of being human can engage in this project. How do we consciously enter into abundant life now? On all the different levels of our personhood. How do we feel it in all the different ways we are capable of feeling? And more than give instructions of, of how to love with the body, heart, soul, mind, strength, and community, I, I want us all to be good at observing the switch in focus, that there is even a way to be this differently. You know, I might not be able to get it all. I'm not gonna I'm talking about the body this week, the first week. And I won't get it all. But what I really want to teach or, or encourage you to do is to feel the switch open up the doors to all these different ways that Jesus wants to get to us, that God wants to be loved and to love us. It's like we're giving permission to receive on different frequencies, tuning, tuning ourselves differently. We're, we're turning maybe unknown valves inside of us to open up the floodgates. You know, am, am I making another sense about that making the switch other modes of reception. That makes sense? It's not just that the body has something to say, but that there are other ways of listening. Making the switch and trusting different receptors is hard. And working with this difficulty is one of the ways we can repent. You heard this word repent before? It often gets hooked onto you're bad, so you need to repent of your sins. But you might just repent of being stuck in one groove. You might repent of trying to live life on the froth and recognize that there are other ways. Turn around, repent means. We, we just turned around towards the light during worship. We repented when we did that. We let the light in. We repented of just trying to be in the dark. So that repent has a, a kind of more of a neutral term than I think it often understand, we often understand it. It means to change our mind and our behavior. We turn around about face. We change who we are and what we do when we truly repent. So I want to repent about the body, maybe. You might be way into this already and you, you repented a long time ago. But there's always some other little turn I hope you can you can make. Some new groove you can get into. And that's what I'm hoping you can do. So how might we engage God How might we love God with our bodies? I think we might need to change our mind. So, let's get into it. Lent is a very bodily season, yes? Something, you know, it's all, it's all about fasting. At least that's how most people understand it. We're, we're giving something up so we can feel something in our bodies. Uh, Ancient people have known for a long time, and not, not even just Christians, that something about holding off of eating heightens our spiritual awareness. I don't, know, I don't know why this is, but it's just how we work, so we can go with it. Maybe because we're less physically satisfied so that our spiritual hunger can, can rise to the top level. I'm not, again, I'm not sure. 
But I am sure that Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days, and he's kind of our pioneer for Lent. One of the reasons we do it for 40 days is because he did it for 40 days. The, the communion that we just took is a bodily form of knowing. We're going to take it every week during Lent. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Jesus gave up his actual body to the powers that be for us. But before he did, he gave us this ritual to help us. He knew that this is how we worked. He gave us a way to love him that included our bodies in it, our hands, our mouths, our digestive systems. We are embodied beings, and we need these rituals to help us understand. Our minds, our hearts, our souls, our strengths need the body to be engaged. Because the body knows. Bodily disciplines help us awaken to other forms of knowing. So I want to tell you a little bit about my personal experience. And I'm hoping to awaken your experiences as well. Because we can share them. I'm so often not listening to my body. I'm preaching to myself right now. For one reason or another, I... I don't, want, I don't want it to do what it's going to do. You know, I'm, I'm mad at it when it's sick. And I'm, I'm, uh, when it, when it, when it, I, only, I only pay attention to it when it's not working. You know, do, no, no, no maintenance, no, no healthy living, just upsetness when it, when, it, when it breaks down. I think a lot of people are like that, especially men. Men, men get organized that way for some reason. i got to be tough or something like that. Any of the men feel me on that? But if you have a chronic illness, you know, you might be listening to your body all the time. And you wish it would shut up. You know, I feel you on that. But me, I'm not always in sync with my body. But I do like to do contemplative prayer as a way of consciously being in God's presence. I try to get quiet in all those different ways. Body, mind, soul, strength. Uh, heart. I want all those things to be still and open so I can receive God's presence. And when I do this, oh, and if you if you want to if you want to join me in that, check out the daily prayer during Lent, circleofhope.net/slash/dailyprayer. It's all about contemplative prayer because when we say we need to feel it, one of the one of the best ways we know to feel God's presence is this practice developed by Christians for hundreds of years. When that, so whenever I try to get still. Uh, I, I start to, to realize what my body is actually doing. Like I, it's the, the, the first level of consciousness when I'm trying to go deep is my body. I'm like, oh, my body's doing things. Like almost every time I sit down, if it's not first thing in the morning, if I sit down some other time, I sit down and I say, oh, I have to pee. Didn't know it before, but now that I'm still, like my body, oh, my body can talk to me. I'm not ignoring it. Um, or, or that you might feel like, oh, oh yeah, I am incredibly tired. I'm, I'm just going to fall asleep right here. I can't do this if I close my eyes. When I was all frenetic and with a screen in my face, I was fine. But when I get still, I realize, oh, I am incredibly tired. I did not sleep well. Uh, or, or you know, even, even part of it is like, you know, I, I'm trying to be still and like all of the itches come out. Like that spot in that, I have one spot in the middle of my back that I cannot reach. 
you know, I'm just not flexible enough and I'm too big. I can't reach like right between my shoulder blades. Of course, that's going to itch when I'm trying to be still or I have to cough. How often do we like try to do a moment of silence in the worship time? And someone just in that moment, they have to stifle their cough. Why does it happen then? You know, it's because because we're actually tuning in. Oh, there is that tickle in my throat. Oh, my. Oh, my. And now we're trying to be quiet. Your body's part of it. It's okay. If we, if we do some silence and you cough, that is all right. But it is interesting the way that works. But if I move through my initial restlessness, when I'm trying to be quiet, be still so I can open up to God's love and, and do this practice, um, the experience becomes very physical for me in especially in my head. Now, I'm not talking about my brain. I'm talking about actually in my head cavities. I grew up with a lot of ear infections. Um, I've, had, I've had surgery on my right ear and on my, my, my uh, nasal cavities. They've, you know, just got bad, bad channels. You know, your head's full of tunnels that all kind of connect. And um, mine are bad. Mine don't work. Mine don't work that well. They're just too small, I think. If there's any inflammation, I have a problem. And so I'm very tuned in to how my ear is working. Because it doesn't work that well. It's right ear. And I can I I I have I'm aware of air in my ear. More than some more than some people probably. So when I get still, I start to feel the air in my ears. I, I, I feel that what whether or not my insides are flowing. And I start to feel, because I'm focusing on my breath, I start to feel my breath in my lungs. You know, consciously breathing is a powerful thing. Just because you're doing something on purpose that is normally happening automatically. It's a way to get below the froth almost immediately to just start focusing on your breath. That's just a natural human way. And I think you all know that to some extent. Start to feel my chest rise and fall. Start to feel my... Uh, my nostrils flaring. But for me, when I'm trying to be quiet, I actually try to feel my breath. Really tune in to in through my nose, feel it in my, my jacked up nasal cavities, out through my mouth. I even want to I even try to make my, my breath vibrate a little bit as it comes out, so I can kind of feel it a little bit. Because when I get there, when I get to this space, and it's hard to describe, I can I kind of feel this physical sensation of kind of dropping into gear. And this might just be me, and I'm just sharing my story. But when I get below the kind of chatter and the noise, it has this kind of openness, this kind of ringing flow in my head. And I know that, I, that I'm, I've kind of descended below the froth a little bit. Another bodily knowing I have experienced is that I often have a Holy Spirit awareness in my body when I worship. Not all the time, but the way it manifests for me is this kind of warm, tingling feeling at the back of my neck. Now, some of you people might call it the chills. But here's the thing. Chills happen other times, too. Like when I'm watching Black Panther and they fly into Wakanda. So what do I do with that? 
it's, the, it's, it's almost the same feeling as when I'm worshiping and I think God is like being made manifest to me. And then also when I'm watching a fairly silly movie. What's up with that? Is it just an emotional, physical reaction that I, that's happening to me in worship? Where do we get that just from? Where do we get the just emotional and, 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 phys, and physical reaction? Why is it not that the emotional, physical reaction is the Holy Spirit? It's this capacity that you have to be opened up. And why isn't the Holy Spirit in Wakanda too? You know, why, why does it have to be some holy moment? And that's the Holy Spirit. Why, why do we limit our emotions to who, um, to like, oh, it's just my emotions. That's definitely a script we have in our culture because we have this kind of scientific facticity that we invented about 300 years ago. And we probably need to repent of that in many ways too, despite the fact that it has made amazing things happen in our society that I don't regret. But we do need to know that that emotional, physical response, that tingling on the back of my neck, it might mean that God is everywhere. It might mean that God is in me. And my, when, I, when, when God is relating to me in worship and I have that emotional, physical response, it's, it's like God using who I am and how I was made to say hi, to say I love you, to say worship me with all your body. Yes, Lord. The last thing, this little piece of my personal experience I want to share is, is what I like to call Diego Rivera hands. There they are. When I'm feeling in the spirit, especially when I'm, I'm praying in groups, I get this sense of expanded space in my mind's eye. My eyes are closed, but it seems like things are getting bigger when I imagine myself and the room. Diego Rivera was this Mexican muralist who made these really big images. And, and many of the figures in his paintings have these big, fat fingers. And I experience in my prayer, it's kind of like a recurring dream that as I'm praying, I have this vision of my hands being fat like that woman holding those flowers, of my body expanding and making more room for God, maybe. I don't know. Here's another piece of it, too. It's not just in my body. It's like in the physical space that I'm inhabiting, like the distance between my knee and the coffee table where I'm sitting. Usually this happens in my cell meeting. The distance between my knee and the coffee table, which I know to be only about six inches, feels like it's meters. Feels like it's yards away. Here, here, try this. Close your eyes and take your finger and put it as close as you can to your forehead without touching. Doesn't it feel like you can feel your finger? Doesn't it feel like there's some kind of magnetism there? This experience that I'm having, you can stop doing that now. This experience that I'm having is kind of like that magnetism has reversed its poles. And there's that sense of, of, of pushing out that a magnet has when you try to connect the, the, the not opposite poles. 
you know, that same magnetism that I feel, it feels like it's pushing out and the world's getting big. Anybody else ever experienced something like that? Stevie's, she, Stevie's nodding her head. My friend Ruama in, in Mexico also said that she had, that that really resonated for her too. I think it has something to do with like God making us big, God growing us up and making the world have space. Like maybe even the spirit is making room between our atoms. I don't know. So those are just some of my personal experiences with the body and loving God. And, and you may have some of your, more of your own to add, but, but I want to do one more thing before I'm done. The fact is that the body has power over what we say and do, whether we are tuned into it or not. Sex, hunger, pain. Haven't they driven most of human history? Hasn't the fear of hunger opened up a whole world of Pandora's box problems? War, theft, deceit, in one way or another, have roots in someone's fear of not having enough. But Stanley Hauerwas says, Hunger is a gift given to us in the body for the purpose of meeting one another. Much of what we have done to eliminate that need for one another has been disastrous. Built up walls, built up nations that are really good at killing each other, built up uh, uh, personally like defense mechanisms that keep me separate from others, built up whole mythologies about how I'm self-determining and how I'm going to pursue my happiness regardless of what it does to others. And, you know, if they get in the way, so be it. Jesus calls us, instead of, to eliminate that need to embrace it. But the, but the pain of embracing is why we, we don't do it. It hurts to need someone. It hurts to need anything, really. I totally understand why we would organize our, our culture otherwise. Because if it, this is it, if it is just what I can make for myself, if Jesus isn't going to lead me through that feeling of death or my actual death into another side, then I am lost, and I might as well do my best on my own. Much of what we are taught to strive for is that sort of power, to do it by ourselves. The belief in our capacity to achieve it, I think is the, it's the main alternative to Christianity these days. The main reason not to be a Christian is to be a self-determining person. And unfortunately, I think that those things often, we think that they might be able to coexist, but they can't. It's not atheism. It's, it's another kind of faith in the superpowers of each individual's ability. Here's one solution. One way to belie that myth is to embrace your own frailty. This body that I pay attention to when it doesn't work. If I embrace that, if I love my body, it's not, it's not shaped the way I want it to be. If I love my body.
this body is indeed so frail, while being at the same time so incredibly able to heal itself, but still this body can die. And we don't want to face that most of the time. Lent is a season for facing it. We need to feel it. We need to feel our bodies. They are one of the many ways that we are human. Maybe the most basic way, but it depends on how you look at it. But the key is that you look at it. We cannot ignore our bodies. God gave them to us and they feel things. And that those things that they feel can help us know God. We can trust them for learning and loving. But yes, that means that we must engage them when they aren't working well, when we're suffering in our bodies, when we're sick, when we're wounded, when we're afraid of what will happen to us if we don't have enough. We're asking, how can I really live with Jesus? And that also means we're asking, how can I really die with him? Jesus' life now makes that something we can face. Jesus makes it safe for us to look and see, feel, and touch. Know and be known, even in the dangers that lie within. So in conclusion, there are many modes or ways of knowing and loving God. That's good news. The body is an important one. I am more than my thoughts. You are more than your thoughts. I'm more than my body. You are more than your body. We're more than our heart, our soul, our mind, our energy, our, our part as a community. We're turning to new ways of being and doing during Lent. And that is repentance. We're opening all the doors of our personhood. This Lent, let us receive the invitation to feel it deeper in all of those ways. Because we need to feel it, all of it. Jesus has made a way for us that we want to follow, even if it means we must face our fear and our vulnerability, our brokenness, our sin, all of the stuff that feels dark and like nothing can get it away. Without doing so, we won't live as freely as Jesus intends us to do, as, as Jesus believes that we can. Again, Lent is human practice. We are really humaning. Let's keep trying together. I'll pray and then we can talk back. God, we love you with our bodies, with our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength, and even our, our community. We love you. We want to know you. We want to feel presence. Guide us in that. Help us to persevere. Help us to, to pop out like that chick. Help us to, to trust all the ways that you're speaking to us. All the different frequencies. All the ways that the light is being shined upon us. We receive it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.